everyone. Welcome to the Women Wide for Wellness podcast presented by Holistic Icon. I'm your host, Dr. Nisha Shalom. You may be thinking, does the world need yet another podcast? As a physician in practice, I have been intrigued by the fact that despite our education, despite the abundance of information and advancements in a country like ours, women struggle for decades with troubling symptoms to seek help, or even when they seek help, suffer for years before they can get a resolution. It is my obsession to understand one, this culture. Number two, understand how we can create health and move away from this preoccupation of diagnosing and managing disease. Therefore, one of my passions is to teach both my patients and people who come in contact with us as it helps me empower myself and them with the knowledge that our health is probably the one asset we all can control. This control begins with knowing all that has been known about it. It is not simply about knowing a disease and considering the right medications, which has been presented today as our only option, as it certainly might be the only option if we choose to do nothing different. But to truly live fulfilling lives, we need to know how to tap into our innate nature to heal. When it comes to health, there is a finish line and there is a timeline to get to it. We help you get there with a different way of thinking. But this podcast has helped you or opened your eyes to a different path. Please take time to leave a positive review. And if you felt it fell short somehow, let us know how we can improve it. Let's get on to today's podcast. Hey, welcome guys to another podcast. This podcast is unique because we have an Ayurvedic practitioner. The science of medicine, in fact, the oldest medicine is thought to be Ayurveda. Ayurveda literally means the study of life. And um, our guest today is Meena Puri, who runs an Ayurvedic healing center out of Milford, and she's an author of a great cookbook, which is also featured in this podcast and will be a part of the show notes. Um, What you will get out of this podcast, the new information would be how coconut oil actually can harden your blood vessels if consumed in the wrong time of the year how spices can be actually um, causing imbalances in some people depending on who they are, what what their internal imbalances are in terms of uh, dysfunction or disease. You'll learn a little more about seasonal foods and how food, the same food can be healing at one time, can actually be disease promoting at another time. So there was a lot of interesting nuggets. The only thing I would say about this podcast is we try to go live on Facebook and almost 48 minutes in the past into the podcast, we realized it was not streaming live. So we had to reboot the computer. So it's divided into two parts. Uh, hopefully there is a flow to it towards the end, but I, I still believe the information was very interesting. And as with most podcasts, I learn a lot and hopefully you will learn a lot at the end of it. So once again, without any further delay, let's go on to our conversation with Meena Puri regarding Ayurvedic medicine. Hi everyone, Dr. Chalam, and I have again a very special guest today. And uh, we have the founder of Ayurvedic Healing Center, Meena Puri, who is here. And I'm very excited for this particular podcast because when you uh, invite a guest who um, does something that is very unique and very different, and we consider Ayurveda as an ancient medicine, um, as much as I would say Ayurveda is probably um, ancient medicine, but being rediscovered as modern medicine, right? We basically try to keep uh, doing studies to prove what has already been known for almost 5,000 years. You agree? Correct. All right. So for those, uh, for people who are really um, new to Ayurvedic medicine, Nina, how would you actually define Ayurveda? So Ayurveda, when you translate it, it means science of life. Okay. Which means everything that is part of your life can affect your life, and it does affect your life. Why it is important to understand this whole picture of a being when we are treating them is because um, 
everything what they do, how they live, how they think, how they interact in their community, how they are in their relationships, it all eventually affects their health. So when people come in with the symptoms, suppose, for example, say hypertension or um, aches and pains, it's not just limited to the physical body. It goes way beyond the physical body. It's affected by their emotional, mental being. It's affected by their energetic being. It's affected by their you know, connection to the larger picture. We can call it spirituality. It's really, it's their connection with their truth. And when that connection is broken, which in modern life many times, you know, we are lost trying to find that connection, um, those imbalances show up as symptoms in the physical body. So let's back up here. So Ayurveda is basically the um, science of life or the knowledge of life. And in Ayurvedic philosophy, we believe if a person has a disease process, it's not just like how we believe in modern medicine, how it's a genetic trait, therefore you have a disease process. But in Ayurveda, we think things that are happening are in and around you on a day-to-day basis is creating your hypertension. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And uh, are there science? Is there a science to back that up? Because when you really look at um, medicine, medicine has had its evolution over a period of time, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, If you go to the uh, Hippocrates uh, era, um, also to some degree, they do talk about um, mental health, but then at some point that got separated. This is like the mental health is completely different and then the physical health is different. Then we started having mental health, having a stigma because, you know, people get called crazy so nobody wants nobody seeks um like if i'm depressed it'll take me a much longer time depending on my cultural background to go seek help but on the physical um uh, imbalances of physical diseases we're all much faster to go to the doctor right it's easier to go and say hey i have hypertension it runs in my family my father mother have it but now what you're saying is in ayurveda we really look at where as a human being, how you've evolved, what is your environment, what is your thought process, and that is causing your hypertension. Right. right. So hypertension, when you look at medically, it's, uh, there's two things that are happening here. There's high blood pressure, there mm-hmm. is heat in the blood, mm-hmm. and then there is toxicity in the blood. Mm-hmm. So when you look at the heat and the toxicity and look at the elemental balance in the body, heat is caused by, or excess of heat is caused by, excess of the heat element in the body and the organs that metabolize that heat when you look at the toxicity is a result of our digestion process not just digestion of food by digestion of life experiences so when we look at those imbalances instead of treating somebody with a pill with hypertension mm-hmm. they are creating this imbalance in the heat element how they're creating it, number one, by their diet, what mm-hmm. they're putting in their mouth. There are many foods that have uh, that are heating as opposed to cooling or balancing. So mm-hmm. they're overdoing on the heating food. Mm-hmm. Secondly, their digestion isn't working as well. It's not able to metabolize mm-hmm. uh, and get rid of the toxins that are a byproduct of the digestion. Okay. So not only we're not just looking at food. Many people who have very intense mental and emotional um, side of them. Some people are just naturally very intense. Mm-hmm. And coincidentally, people with hypertension are very intense. So it tells a story. And people with hypertension, they come in and they tell me, oh, I love spicy food. I collect um, all the spices from the world. I'm like, yes, I know you do. Mm-hmm. And I love sour taste. Sour taste is very healing to the body. That's the digestive effect of it. And their, their, their way of being their type A personality, they're very driven, very intense. If things don't go their way, they get very intense. They like alcohol. They like their steak. So when you connect all the dots, it just, it tells us their story. Mm-hmm. So hypertension is, you know, is what shows up on the body. But it didn't come from the body. It came from how they're digesting, what they're eating, what they're digesting, how their mental and emotional being is. And, you know, people never just come with hypertension. 
That's they've true. got sleep issues. Now they've got some inflammation going somewhere else. They've got relationship issues. Then if we dig deeper, then you go back, yes, their mother and father, somebody in the family may have hypertension, but it's not just limited to that. You can't even really connect it to hereditary because when your parents had hypertension, it was a result of how they lived. Mm -hmm. If you change that lifestyle, you no longer have to be tied to that connection with hypertension. It was caused by factors that we can now change and shift because we have better education, because we can raise the level of our awareness. And when we understand what causes it, we uncause it. Mm. So let me um, let me ask you, let, tell us your journey into Ayurveda. How did you get to be an Ayurvedic uh, are you with an expert? Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, who is an expert, really? We spend all of our life trying to get there. Learning all the time, Learning yes. Learning all the time. Yeah. So I, you know, I first, um, you know, I've been teaching yoga for over 25 years. Through the, the framework of yoga, you know, nutrition, not in the way of nutrition, but just cooking and food just mm -hmm. was more commonsensical. Mm -hmm. um, because I come from a family background, my father, grandfather were, you know, Ayurvedic doctors, and I come from India. So, the, you know, how cooking is now, it was not the way um, I remember it. This, mm -hmm. you know, cooking and food now is more disease producing before they were more health promoting. And uh, so after teaching yoga for um, so many years, people constantly ask me questions, just more commonsensical health questions. Believe it or not, I counsel people under the guise of yoga because I could, because yoga is very deep, the philosophy is very deep, and I live it that way, and I've experienced yoga in my life, I live the yoga, so I was able to guide people and counsel them to a better stress-free life. Mm -hmm. And as I continue to do that, and I just really wanted to do more. I wanted to do more medical, where I would really be able to be in a place where I can really tell people this is what needs to be done. And I thought about many different um, programs, like a medical intuitive or mm -hmm. separately, you know, nutrition um, program or something like that. And then somebody mentioned, hey, have you thought about Ayurveda? Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, really? I was kind of dumbfounded because I forgot about it. That's where you, you yeah, were raised in that atmosphere, uh, yeah. but you never thought about it. I forgot. It. I thought it, I connected Ayurveda to India, and I just never I just never thought about it. And I'm like, oh, really? And when I started looking into it, I just, you know, collected all the schools I wanted to go to. I interviewed. I, you know, did all my charts. And, you know, I was like over the moon when I found the perfect teacher and the school. I, it was just like coming home. It was no brainer. I dived in with my head first and I sighed a breath of relief because I thought, oh my God, somebody understands what I'm thinking or I'm talking about. This makes sense. Nothing has ever made sense before. Mm -hmm. So really, so it just, I mean, I can't get enough of it because it works. I'm constantly in awe of the science and the art of Ayurveda that provides, you know, to people in health and healing, I'm blown away every single day, uh, you know, just by how simple things help people achieve the health that they've been wanting for years. So in many ways, when you really look at Ayurveda, um, it's so much of common sense, mm -hmm. which to, uh, this is one of the things I think the big, biggest struggle we find in medicine today on in fact the living our lives have become so modernized and so convenient that we have forgotten what our roots are uh, we have forgotten how like you know I, I, this morning i was working with my trainer and he was talking about the caveman's diet these guys who work with them always talk about the caveman's diet and i said none of us know how the caveman lived to begin with number one number two what we don't realize and which I've seen with my grandmother and all of that, they worked in the fields. They actually harvested the rice. They used to pound the rice before they ate it, right? Yeah. Even before yeah. you cook, we used to milk the cows. There was so much of work, like the whole day. We talk about hunter gatherer. The women were the gatherers, right? Sure. They were gathering all these, um, uh, uh, what do you call, um, 
the rice patty or wheat or, you know, uh, pounding it, making the spices. The whole day was dedicated to making that fresh meal and each meal was made fresh, mm -hmm. right? Now we have come to a part where nobody wants to cook. Food is ready-made and all you're thinking about is taste. It doesn't matter how it's made. And we've come to a point where life has become so convenient and we're thinking we have to eat like a caveman. The caveman did not eat meat three times a day. And first of all, when he hunted, he hunted for three days probably to get that one meal. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of, uh, uh, there's a lot of caloric restriction that goes there. But when you look at Ayurveda, the principles of Ayurveda also, there is both feasting and fasting. And there's a lot of rest that's given to the body, which we never give in our modern life. We are constantly running, right? Um, one of the things that you mentioned that just sparked a thought in my mind, you said people with hypertension, I don't want to beat hypertension to death, but in general, when somebody has a disease process, you said they produce, they're eating foods that produce heat and they love spices. My understanding is spices are like, nature's way of giving us medicine. Why are spices not good for some people? Or is it certain types of spices they cannot have? So um, yeah, I'm going to come to that. And you also brought another question, which I think is worth addressing. So I think your um, question before this was, um, you know, because this is so commonsensical. Yeah, it is commonsensical. It's commonsensical yes. and people take it for granted and they think, you think, you know, I'll just Google it. But people don't understand about Ayurveda that it is as simple that I can describe it to a five-year-old, but it's as sophisticated that I, you can come back many lifetimes and never quite get it. I agree. So Ayurveda will meet you where you are. If you just simply want to look at the food and start there, it'll meet you where you are. If you want to really grow, evolve, and deepen your connection with the infinite, Ayurveda will meet you there. Right, right. So spices, speaking of spices, there are just so many of them. Before you go into the spices, let yeah. me talk about the common sense part too. I, what I, I, I'm glad you brought that a point because I was, I meant to complete that thought. What has happened is we are now fed everything. We're fed how we should sleep. We are fed what you should eat. And that information keeps changing every decade because there's a new fat diet. We had enough of the, like the high carbohydrate or the low fat, I should say the low fat diet, which by default became high carb diet, then became the paleo. Now we have the keto and each decade there's a diet. And it's almost like we want as human beings to be fed what we need to do. Uh, we, we have stopped thinking what is, uh, we have stopped listening to the inner voice, which is the intuition. Intuitively, I know certain things are not right for me, mm -hmm. but I still do them because that helps me belong. Exactly. And I think that's where I was going with the common sense part. We've just shelved common sense completely. Mm -hmm. And we've just decided when patients come to us, too, they'll say, please tell me what I should do. And I always ask them, tell me what do you want what do you want out of life? And mm -hmm. why do you think you're, first, if you don't know why you are sick, it's very difficult to get you. Not sick, exactly. Yeah, to get you to a place where there's so much health created that you will not be sick, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's very important. I think one of the uh, drivers of our practice, really one of the things we drive home, I would say, is please think for yourself, use common sense, listen to your intuitive voice because it's talking to you all the time. Anyways, that's what I meant by saying we moved away from common sense, mainly because we've gotten so used to getting everything ready-made. And exactly. Right. And one of the, the biggest uh, distinguishing factor about Ayurvedic art and science is raising the level of awareness. Mm, yes. And that is part of it, because if you're not aware of what you're doing, why you're doing, how you're doing it, you cannot really make any changes. So with the Ayurveda, just, you know, I will explain you know, the process when I, a client, client comes to me. Um, whatever I give them to do, there's an education behind it. So they understand why, 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 they why, why are they having to do what they need to do? So that education is empowering. 
when people feel that, you know, they are doing things to create the symptoms that they're experiencing and they can make a few changes to change those symptoms and to get better, that's motivating to them. So instead of, you know, the truth of the matter is when we uh, leave our thinking uh, to others, you're going to get everybody trying to tell you what to think and mm-hmm. trying to tell you what to eat. So Ayurvedic medicine is that system that once you understand it and dive into it and study it and begin to use it in your life, you're not going to need someone else to think for you. Mm-hmm. We have so uh, unfortunately have wedged ourselves in boxes of different diets. And like you said, diets are changing every year, every time, and people are confused like never before. With so much information and with so many diets available, there's never been a more confusion on nutrition than in our times. Yeah, there's so much of information. So that is where Ayurveda can really be the key because once you begin to understand it, you are not going to be sold on these um, diet uh, gimmicks that come up. You know, follow this diet or follow that diet. There's something much, much bigger, holistic that's going on with your body. If you can understand that, you're never going to have to look at any diet again. You're never going to have to worry about what this food is doing to me. So, you know, food is not just what the taste is. There's a digestive effect of the food. There's a post-digestive effect of the food. Not everybody is built the same way. Not everybody has the same imbalances. Not everybody has the same constitution. So this one diet fits all approach does not work with Ayurveda. You're specific to what's going on with that person. And we have to look at, you know, different seasons that we're dealing with. And the the power of somebody's ability to digest the food and what other stuff is going on with them. Food is medicine. When we look at the properties of the food and adjust it to the qualities and the properties that we're trying to create in a person to balance them, then food becomes medicine. So when we are using food and nutrition and in our kitchen that way food is medicine we don't need to worry about which diet should i follow which diet should i not follow that is a basic it's basic it's deep it's sophisticated it's simple that anybody can use and not be confused about nutrition so about nutrition let's let's get dive a little into the spices part so to to me herbs and spices are nature's way of giving us medical medicines. Absolutely. So tell me about spices being a contributing factor in an imbalance. All right. So uh, I'm going to talk about turmeric comes to mind because it's very commonly known Mm -hmm. and it has now become medically used as well. So Mm -hmm. turmeric is an anti-inflammatory. Yes. Turmeric also is, uh, it has a bitter taste. Mm -hmm. Little bit of bitter taste is good to improve your digestion. Now, we need to understand that. So the turmeric can also be very drying. When we don't understand all of that and we begin to use in the medical world turmeric as a pill mm-hmm. like we have done before, I mean, it's, a, you know, it's still good that we are using turmeric to get rid of the inflammation. But again, overdoing it can also bring some other kinds of problems. Actually, turmeric is toxic in yeah, higher doses. in higher doses. So the yeah. bitter taste, you know, sometimes somebody who is depleted and they have a lot of inflammation, um, you know, turmeric can deplete them even further. It can really dry out their skin, dry out their system, dry out their joints. So you have to understand how much to use, mm-hmm. who to use it for, how to combine it. Turmeric's best, the properties, to get the properties of the turmeric is best to saute it in some kind of a lipid and mm-hmm. a oil so it can cross that blood-brain barrier uh, to deliver the qualities that it has. Most of the studies show black pepper increases the absorption. Black pepper, yeah, yeah black pepper increases the absorption, but you know, there's a lots of crazy things that people are doing with turmeric mm-hmm. because they don't understand it. We cannot use the spices like we use medicine. Right. It's, it's 
ask that we stay awake. We understand, you know, really, are you rather ask that you think how much, where, when, how, what are you combining with? And then tuning into what effects are you noticing? Do I need to adjust something? Do I not? That's where people trip. They think, well, you know, I'm doing Ayurveda because I'm doing turmeric. Well, have good luck because, you know, fragmented information, fragmented results. So that is why you people think, oh, these are just remedies. No, they're not. There's so much more than that going on. Right. And, uh, and, and I think that's one of the uh, problems with so much of information, right? People can Google just about anything, but they're Googling a symptom and then you get, and then you get a diagnosis where when you go into a modern medical facility, okay, have this, oh, you have fibromyalgia, then you say, I don't want to take medicine, so I'm going to do something natural. You Google, you get a whole bunch of things for fibromyalgia, but you're never thinking, why do I have fibromyalgia? What is the imbalance that's, that's happening? How is my... Um, mental state contributing to this stressful uh, condition. And in fact, if you really look, uh, when you do PET scans in fibromyalgia patients, when you touch them, you elicit pain. The pain signals in the brain actually are. So there's a misfiring of, of a miswiring that's mm -hmm. going on in many of these chronic pain conditions. How just taking turmeric does not resolve a lot of these problems, unfortunately. But that's what people do, right? And and, and to without having to blame them, I would say a lot of well-known um, alternative physician uh, physicians who have a very strong presence, online presence, do promote supplements. They're sub promoting one supplement or the other. And patients are buying this. And so when they finally come to a physician like me or come to you, they have this whole bag of supplements absolutely, and a whole list of diseases, yeah. none of which have been resolved despite taking supplements. And they'll blame themselves. They'll say, oh, you know, I have to take these 25, but I'm only taking two or three of them. Maybe that's why it's not working. Mm -hmm. And again, like you said, when you started off, supplements, spices, um, any of these approaches are simply tools to your recovery process. Exactly. You know, if we use this um, vast, sophisticated system of human health in uh, Western medicine, with a Western medicine approach, we're really undermining its intelligence. Yes. Okay? We're, yeah. And we, uh, we, you know, are you realize not about substituting now uh herbal pill with the pill. There's people, you know, you're still taking a pill. It's not about that. It's about you waking up to your human potential. It's about taking the opportunity that the disease or the symptoms may provide for you to grow because without that, we are forever dependent upon an external person or a substance to make us balanced. The truth of the matter is, you know, I get, you know, so many people that first client, they bring a bag full of uh, supplements with them. I go through it and I'm like, are you noticing a difference? No, I really don't know. Why are yeah. you taking it? I don't know. My naturopath, my somebody, whatever, gave this to me. So I said, okay, let's do this. Let's give it a break for 10 days and then we'll see how to implement one at a time. The thing, I never even give people Ayurvedic girls on their first visit because if they continue to eat the foods, live the way that is contributing to the imbalances and now I give them a pill which is trying to correct that imbalance, there's a war going on inside. Yeah. I want to first get their body in alignment, ready, and then the herbs are a supportive tool and saying, okay, now we can go places. We, you know, you got to line up all your ducks pointing in the same direction so we have a, you know, winning result. Otherwise, just to haphazardly take some herbs and supplements and not change anything, it's crazy making. So you're basically saying I can't have a glass of whiskey and deep fry my steak in butter and add turmeric to my bacon no. and be okay with no, it. No, that is that's like a I'm problem. not doing a good job. And that's exactly what people are doing. Look like you know, there's that um, acid reflux or whatever. Yeah. Oh, here, take a pill and so you can still eat this, not thinking, really, you're really... You know, even the acid reflux doesn't bother me as much as when an endocrinologist tells a diabetic, enjoy life, eat, and increase your insulin. I mean, I just fell off the chair when one of my patients said, when my endocrinologist said, why are you restricting yourself? Eat whatever you want and just increase your insulin. 
the impact of, in fact, the complications of type 2 diabetes comes from the hyperinsulinemic state and adding more insulin is actually getting getting you to that point of total uh, disaster. And that's the problem with our um, the emphasis we have on a pill for an ill um, connection. Exactly. We think take a pill is, you know, a pill is really numbing you and dumbing you down. Yeah. You don't have to think. You just do whatever you want. I mean, I think it gives you that temporary, um, uh, what do you call comfort. Hey, I'm taking a medicine for my blood pressure, so my blood pressure, high blood pressure is not going to hurt me. And you know what the really the sad part is? The truth is modern medicine, there's so many uh, medications that is invented. They have invented so many different ways to uh, prolong life and save lives. It actually is a wonderful resource that is being misused. Sometimes you may have to use medication for a short time just so you can think straight. It's very useful, but it's not a long-term solution. It was never actually never meant for for that. Yeah, it was always designed for an acute care model. But we find, um, you know, the first of all, we find a lack of time in the current medical model to educate patients. Mm -hmm. Even if you want to do group education, nobody wants group education. Everybody wants to be seen individually, but they don't realize one of the reasons you can be seen individually is everybody's doing the same problem. It just helps us. The community support is very you know, important. You know, if we don't in any in any medical field, whether it's holistic or Western medicine, if we do not take the time that take that first step, take that one client and educate them, we are perpetuating that cycle. That is like we don't have time, we have more patients. We have more patients, we have we don't have time. But right. somewhere in the line, somebody's got to put their foot down and do the right thing. No, absolutely. So I so let's let's go back to when somebody comes to an Ayurvedic a practitioner. What is their uh, process? What is the process like? So the process is that you know I do an initial consultation, which is um, when they walk in, they fill out a form. After all the legalities are done, I do a pulse diagnosis, which is not a medical diagnosis. I'm not counting their beats. I'm actually looking at what's going on in their body at the surface level. Mm-hmm at the deepest reserves, at the energetic level, at the tissue level, at the organ level. So my fingers are the instruments. I'm figuring out what's happening, where it is happening, how long has it been happening, perhaps why is it happening. I look at the tongue. Tongue is a picture of your GI tract. I look at their facial, postural, skin, how they're walking, how they're talking. Pretty much I get their story. Then I take their entire medical history, what they come there for, all their symptoms, all their issues, and I go back way back when. Tell me a time when you were, you know, some people come in saying, oh, my God, I've had this for 15 years. I go, tell me a time when you were not sick. Mm, yeah. So I want to know where the heck they were and how how this, this whole issue came to be. Then I look at all the medications they're all on, then their diet, what they're eating, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, snacks, et cetera their, you know, elimination, their exercise, their sleeping habits, their relationships, anything else I've met. So when I take all this information, you know, sometimes it's quite a process. I put my screen computer away and I just, I just sit mm-hmm. so I can just connect with them. And I'm like, you know, I always ask, I go, so why do you think this is happening? Because mm-hmm. people never just come to me, you know, the first onsite or something. They come to me when they're not at every door. And now they're like, okay, I, I have no choice, I swear. So I'm like, why do you think this is happening? What's happening? Because the truth is they know. They know somewhere because I want to take them there. My job is to make them see it, to to take them to where the problems are coming from to so they gain insight, they connect the dots, and then they're like, aha, oh, my God. Okay. This is what I got to do. So it's very similar to the functional medical history taking because we do the same thing. The only difference I would say is when we address the solution or when we're trying to get to the solution, I use more detailed blood work. That might, that, that might be the only, um, and that engages a lot of times patients want to know what is wrong with me rather than. Yeah, I will tell them, you know, if their thyroid is an issue, I see signs of it and say, you have your blood work done. So I suggest that you go get them. That's something that I don't do. Yeah. So, so that's what, and a lot of times you're very right. Most patients know why they are sick. intuitively they know but they don't want to believe it because they have this high paying job that they cannot 
technically speaking, quit because they will never get paid like this anywhere else. They have this relationship that has given them the status in society or they've given them financially they're well off. And technically they cannot talk about this relationship as like it has to come to an end for them to be well. You know, these are the truths that the the moments of truths that they have to really um, confront and say, okay, this is why I am sick. And a lot of times they tend to drag that out, sometimes to their deathbed. And one of the jobs we have as um, health creation partners, I, I always say I'm not into prevention of disease because then I'm focusing on a disease. I, we need to just create health. And when you're in health creation mode as a physician, when we're talking about health creation, we need to take the patient initially to a back journey, but mostly forward. Absolutely. Otherwise, they're stuck where they are stuck with all those disease processes, taking a bunch of supplements, seeing yet another provider. And one of the biggest challenge I have as a functional medical uh, doctor would be, I get to the same thing of, hey, this is where the root cause is. The biggest resistance is to change, right? And even despite them knowing that they have to do something different because it's always like, I got five kids at home. I have no time to do all what you're asking me to do. I got a job that I need to be working nine hours a day. I got a spouse who is sick and I need to take care of him, her, or I have uh, um, a grandchild I need to be taking care of. So they have all these excuses when you actually look at it that's what I consider the resistance, the resistance to change. When they can bring in these excuses, they are comfortable in their mode saying, hey, do you see why I can't do this now? Do you see why I I am trying? And it's almost like I want to say, no, you're not trying hard enough because those are the same things that have kept you where you are. How do you overcome that stumbling block? Or are they ready when they come to you? Like you just tell me and I will change. There is that. So I think change is very difficult. And change is most difficult when you don't really realize why you know, what is it in for you? And many times when you ask people just to change because, you know, this is going to get you healthy, they don't see the result yet. Mm-hmm. So they don't, they're like, well, you know, it's, it's being comfortable in the in their zone. They're, in their, they're comfortable being miserable. Okay, we all have been there. So, you know, Ayurveda is not just about making those hard changes. And there is a difference. Many people who come to me, they already are willing to change. change yes. And oh, sometimes, we love those sometimes the change is not, you know, change is not necessarily the data. I'll give an example. I got a client the other day, totally, total, there isn't anything that's not going on physically and mentally. So the client is, the, the prayer every day was, God give me that. Mm. I want to die, yeah. right? Yeah. So when somebody is at that level, I'm not going to tell them, hey, you know what, like, you know, do this nutrition thing because the, frankly, that's not what they need. It's yeah. not going to make a difference for them. They are, they are so desperate that they just rather die every mm. day they pay for that. So what I helped this person do is to teach them that what it is, what life is, and how to create a mental shift. So that was a whole session about helping them create a shift on how to think about life, what letting go surrender looks like, mm-hmm. how they can make peace with what is in their life. And when they went home, there was a relief mm-hmm. that, okay, maybe I can do this until, you know, die, you know, life and death is not in our hands. Right. So. Right. So it's really not many times, you know, people will come to me, it's like, okay, but be patient with me. I'm very, very stubborn. I said, well, thanks for the warning. Don't worry about it. And everybody has strengths. Yes. So I find out when was the time when you did this and how did that feel? I always find that one thing that they are good at, that they want to do it, that lights them up. So it's that one thing I send them home with and mm-hmm. that motivates them to make the other change. So as a as a person who works with this, you know, in field, 
Ayurveda teaches us, it's not just the physical body, it really teaches Ayurveda psychology. It's learning, tuning in intuitively what's needed by the person, what their story is, what gets them, what doesn't get them, what pisses them off, what lights them up, and what they're really all about. So even when people are resistant to change, there's a reason why they're resistant to change. There's a lot of fear, okay? There's a lot of fear. So when you address the fear, and you talk to them about it and you take that away, they, they open up. You know, I do many, you know, kind of uh, intuitive or breathing or meditation exercises with them where they can tune with the body and really understand where their feelings are coming from and what is that. See if they can create a little opening and create a little surrendering so the new knowledge, new information, new way of living and the health can come in. And so it's just my job to do that. And I, you know, I do have to tell you, um, for whatever reason, I, I get the toughest mm-hmm. people. I right. really do. Because they knock at my door when they have failed everything else. Yes. And they just throw the bag at me. It's like, you know what, heal me. Tell, me. tell me what to do. And it's all out. So there's no judgment on how somebody is. They feel totally at ease. They feel totally valued. They feel hurt. They feel understood. And I think when they feel heard and understood, like I get you, they begin to trust. Mm-hmm. And most of my work is counseling. Yeah. You know, people people think they come to me with a knee pain. Really, there's so much more going on. So we end up taking that route at the same time working at the physical. So it's really understanding and hearing people. People want to change. There's a fear there. Fear is very natural. It's just my job to help them slowly move through it and understand what that is all about. Right. So pretty much what people need to understand is when they have a disease process, when they have symptoms, as much as we would love to point it towards a genetic trait, towards a physical ailment, towards, hey, this happened because it runs in my family, what we need to step back and see is how much of what we are thinking, doing, eating, uh, associating with is creating our disease process. Yeah, you know, really, we need to really get over this whole genetic thing. There's right. such a thing now called ge- genetic plasticity, which means you are no longer tied to your genetics. Right, right. Okay? You can create the life you want. You truly, truly can. I believe that. And if, when the genetics are uh, in the in the equation, that's a small percentage. Right. The larger percentage is how we live our life, how we think, what we can do. That still wins over the genetics. Right. So I think many times, you know, it's like who cares what the genetics are? Because many times resistance, when people are resistant, they're going to hang up on that genetics. Oh, you know, I'm home. You know, people come to me, you know, I have arthritis. That's why I really, I have a dislike for uh, medical diagnosis because it puts people in a box. Oh, I have arthritis, now I'm doomed. It's like, okay, what is arthritis? Can you get rid of that name? You've got inflammation. Can we address inflammation? Right. We address inflammation, we don't care about what it is called. Let's call it Zumba for all I care. You know what I mean? When people put themselves in a box, the mind says, okay, then I have arthritis, I'm going to have this, this, and this. Or oh, my mother had it, or my sister had it. I'm doomed. I'm like, get over that. So that's why you want to give people, forget about the diagnosis, forget about the classifications. Take them into what this disease, what is going on in the body? Can How can you, you created this, we have created it, can we somehow uncreate it? So one of the biggest dangers of doing that, when you tell somebody, that's why medicine does not like the word prevention mm-hmm. or reversal. When you say you can prevent something, you're somehow telling the person you created this. Nobody wants to be blamed for their disease, number one. Number two, they get the feeling like um, I did, you're telling me I did this on purpose. A lot of times... We are doing it subconsciously without knowing. Um, I always tell people, when you say yes to something or no to something, you said no to something or yes to something else, right? If I say yes to something, I said no to something else. And until we realize that connection, uh, if I got up in the morning and I said, today's not a good day for me to exercise because I, I'm running late to work, I just said yes to 
a disease process that can come because I'm not moving as much and I sit about 10 hours at work. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? So a lot of times we don't realize that. So when we talk about prevention or we talk about meme, you know, I have that security of saying my lupus and my heart disease comes because my parents have it. Which part of that don't you understand? Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that we have, it's an indoctrination for all of us, even physicians. As physicians, we're taught, we need to look at these genetics. Even I do a lot of genetic testing in my practice, but one of the things I teach people is your genetics just tells us how you are wired, but your environment can switch on or switch off the current between these wires. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing flowing till you switch it on or switch it off. And that part of it is very difficult for people to understand. And that's what you're talking about, genetic plasticity. Yes, I can take the fact that I'm brown skin because that's my genetics. I'm not going to be able to take that out if all of the genes that I've inherited over my inheritance is I'm going to have brown skin and black hair and black eyes. That's what I'm going to have. I'm not going to come up with, uh, you know, blonde hair. And those are certain genetic wirings. However, I may have that little bit of light colored hair gene hiding somewhere. And if I move to a country that is, (laughs) yeah, that uh, fares makes me have a lighter skin color. Or if I were to uh, get married to somebody who had lighter skin color, there's a chance kids that come in that would have that genetic trait, right? So that's what the genes do. They stay in quiet and they can be switched on depending on the environment. Mm -hmm. And same thing with the disease process. You may be wired to be very pro-inflammatory if you are exposed to, like we have in Ayurveda three body types, the Vata, Pitta, and Kapha, Mm -hmm. and one of them eats too much oily and the other eats too much cold or dry foods, they're gonna have imbalances. Somehow we are wired and we need to know that intuitively or work with a... So there's a predisposition. Yes. And so when we, you know, when I tell people that, you know, they have created or we create the disease to create the body that we have, it's not to blame. It's really to really take, it's, it's more an empowerment. Yeah. And you, you know, people are not deliberately, nobody deliberately harming themselves. The problem is we don't know. A lot of the, you know, our mental and emotional stuff is subconscious. It's not at the conscious level. We don't know it. It's hidden from us. And the knowledge base that we are using to do some of the things in the kitchen or with the food, the knowledge base is so scattered and so overwhelming that people by themselves are not really understanding how to put it in perspective and uh, customize according to what's going on with them. So it's taking, it's, you know, 5% of our life is operated consciously, 95% is subconscious. So it's, it's, they don't know what they don't know. We don't know what we don't know. So it's about taking responsibility it's about growing as a human being, making conscious what is in the subconscious so they can live their life more consciously with more awareness and they can make the choices accordingly. When we become more and more aware, our choices change. And there's no blame on anybody. We only know what we know. But if they you know, come across somebody who can guide them to a better level, an improved level of consciousness, it's about taking responsibility for being a human being. That is what we are here to do. We're here to evolve and we're here to grow so we can have that impact on our life and on the lives of those who are around us. So I think that's a very important point. I think most people need to understand is whatever, wherever you are today, whether it be in your life or your health or your wealth, are choices that you have made, not necessarily to jeopardize yourself subconsciously. You've made something that has got you to this point. And a lot of it is the belief system too, what you were raised with. And it could be this is all you knew. And now how do you move out of this? You have to take, first of all, be aware that you have the power to change it. And I think a lot of the uh, healing arts and science 
which is what Ayurveda or homeopathy or functional medicine is, is really geared towards healing. One of the key principles of how we effect this change is by through education and awareness. No, but he had joined us for our Facebook live. Uh, we did get cut off at some point, not really sure, but I will post the uh, recording from the Zoom video at some point. And um, just uh, for those of you who are just joining us or have seen the live, here's what I would say I am actually discussing today the science of Ayurveda. And I have with me Meena Puri, who uh, runs the Ay Ayurvedic Healing, well, Center. Healing Center. And uh, where is exactly is it Brighton? It's in Milford. Milford. She is in Milford. And we were having a very interesting conversation, and I'm just going to continue that. And if, um, you know, the recording is halfway through, we're almost at the end of our conversation, but I will post the full recording at some point. All right. So we were talking about how, um, you know, the, we're not trying to blame people and we should not be blaming people, but we should just have that awareness that we have within us the capacity to both create disease and mitigate it and create health. Absolutely. And that awareness, that's where our roles come is we just learn this. Oh my God, it's almost like we're going to have a hurricane in here. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably a dream. I'm sorry about the sound there, but it's really one of the things that uh, a practitioner, an Ayurvedic practitioner like uh, Mina or a functional medical doctor like me, what we do is we're looking at the science behind healing, the science of health rather than the science of disease. And she was mentioning it does not matter what disease you have, what you want to call it. The question is, why do you have it? How did it come to be? So can we retrace those steps and create health once again? And really, exactly. that's what we were looking at. So we were also talking about how not to overuse spices, to understand when to use spices. But the other part I wanted to talk to you about is even when you're looking at vegetables, right? Um, I find somebody will come and tell me, um, oh, I love tomatoes. I can't be without tomatoes. And I remember in India, tomatoes were very seasonal. They come only in a short period of time. And as the season goes away, the price of tomatoes triple. And I remember my mother used to fight with the grocery guy mm -hmm. saying, what do you mean it's so expensive? It was just so much. He, he would say it's out of season. We're just getting yeah. the last few of the, um, you know, uh, whatever the cultivated uh, tomatoes. Now, what we don't realize in this country is we have tomatoes and spaghetti sauce 365 days of the year. And that's why even here, culturally, they used to can the tomatoes when they had. When they weren't being produced. Yeah, yeah when they exactly. were grown in yeah. the garden. Mm -hmm. We forget those things and we go around buying tomatoes throughout the year. So talk to us about, in Ayurveda, it's not only um, using the right spices at the right time for the right people and for the right conditions. And... What about the various foods, whether it be vegetables, fruits, grains? Is there a time and a season for that? Uh, yes. Yeah. So, you know, there was a time when Mother Nature told us what to eat and we listened. Yeah. And we live in abundant times where everything is available all the time. That really confuses us because, you know, you go um, into the supermarket and there's a pomegranate right in the middle of winter. Yeah. So, and we buy it, even if it's, you know, like, oh, I love pomegranate, I'm going to eat it all the year. And we also have that mentality that if we love something, it means to go overboard. We are, you know, there's an extreme mentality. And so that's why, you know, either we are painting the town red or we are down in the dumps. Either, you know, we, I think, you know, not to get into that, but there's, there's, a, there's a reason to identify, there's a self-identification that's going on here. People are trying to figure out what am I all about, what do I love, what I don't love. But the, the whole point of health and healing is to maintain balance. When we are out of balance, we are sick, we are ill. So, you know, when you look at that, living in Michigan, there are four seasons. There's summer, spring, fall, and winter. And so if you look at, say, month of, this is summer right now, this is summertime. There's a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables. So naturally, you know, Mother Nature is telling you, come on, this is where you eat. 
And if we continue to eat in summer the way we did in winter, which asks that we eat a little bit more fat, a little bit more heavier food, a little bit more sweet taste, so we have the reserves to combat the cold season, um, we're not going to continue to eat that way in the summertime because you're just going to create too much of the same thing. You're going to create that imbalance. So summertime is eating foods, you know, if so summer is naturally heating. In the heat, our digestion actually slows down. So when the digestion slows down, it is good to eat a um, little bit of, you know, spices that can boost that digestion. And um, the reason our digestion slows down is to kind of maintain that balance in the body so you don't get overheated because the digestion process produces heat. So, you know, as a, and we, when we look at, you know, heat, we superficially look at the food. So in summertime, we love to have ice cream, not realizing that actually ice cream is going to dampen the already dimmed digestion because it's a sugar, fat. it's a fat, it's a cold. Cold things dampen the digestion. Sugar is inflammatory. So it just, you know, the system is going to run harder. On the surface, it looks like, oh my God, cooling. But it's actually, you know, making us hot because the system will run, you know, hotter. At the same time, you know, we put ice and lemonade, a lot of cold drinks on the surface. It tastes really good. But really at the deeper levels, you are dimming down the digestion, making it work harder. And that's how the imbalances or the toxicity or the heat that we produce in the body, it gets deeper and deeper embedded into the tissue layers. That's where the chronicity of disease comes from. So we do have to pay attention. Like springtime is a time where all the heavy food that we've been eating in the winter time, uh, if we, you know, it's a time to kind of lighten the load a little bit. So any excess weight and fat can be removed in the springtime. So, you know, Ayurveda asks that you eat lighter. You eat foods that are, you know, astringent and pungent and bitter. So it can help move the heaviness from the body, just like the snow. You know, in Michigan here, so you it want to melt it. Out. Do you want to melt it? So anytime when I see a big sign, you know, black, you know, a steak in uh, springtime and celebrating Easter with cake and sugar and all of them, like, ay, 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 my goodness, you're you're creating the same old problem. And that is why people have, you know, congestion and allergies and colds and things like that, because instead of helping the body detoxify from excessive eating in the wintertime, which is allowed, you're actually creating a problem. You're coming in the way of the body detoxifying because you're not paying attention to that the season has changed. And likewise, our eating must change as well. Right. And you know, that's probably the biggest confusion most people have. Um, during the winter, even if you look at the harvest, and one of the great things about Michigan is because it has all the four seasons. Yeah. What is seasonal? When you're buying strawberries at $29.99, you have a problem. When it is uh, like a four buck box of strawberries, you're willing to pay three times the amount you have a little bit of a problem. You know you're buying something that's not seasonal, that's not regional. And um, a lot of times the digestion gets affected. But we also spoke, I asked, the, you know, like I said, the recording was uh, broken and we were talking about uh, coconut oil. And uh, what you said was very important for people to understand. I have people, and I have even practitioners who say, put a big tablespoon of coconut oil into your smoothie. And I'm like freaking out here because you said coconut oil is cooling and it actually hardens your blood vessels. Yes, it right? does. The coconut oil is cooling. When you look at coconut oil, coconut is most found in the south. Yeah. In the you know in the most hot environments. Mm -hmm. Because so it can help the heat, cool down the heat that's produced. We live in winter climate and nothing is good forever. Same thing when you continue to use it in excess. Same food that is a nectar can become a poison. poison so coconut yeah. oil is cooling to the body. Uh, sure, in the summer months, I'll tell people, yes, you know, use it, but don't go overboard. Doesn't mean you have to every day use coconut oil because it uh, solidifies in the blood. Uh, atherosclerosis. Uh, you know, if somebody is dealing with that, that's not a good idea. If somebody has hypertension, that's not a good idea. Sure, mm -hmm. once in a while, body forgives, but it's not something, oh, yes, it has 
a lot of anti-inflammatory, antioxidant properties, but we have to look at the whole picture. So maybe in the summer times, you know, someone who doesn't have the tendency for those type of imbalances, they can use it. But nobody should use it all the time. Alternated with ghee, which is clarified butter, alternated with the olive oil, which, you know, you don't want to cook it on high heat, and maybe with safflower oil. So we really have to move away from the mentality that if we found something that is really good for us, we're just going to stick to it uh, like glue and just that's going to be our ticket to health. It doesn't work that way. There are two words I always tell people I'm worried about. One is occasional and the other word is moderation. Exactly. When I say occasional, I've learned to find out how occasional. Is it everyday occasional or is it weekly (laughs) occasional or yearly occasional? And moderation we don't know what moderation is. This country does not know what moderation is. No, they don't know. Many times I'll ask people, you know, I don't drink much wine. And I, you know, I really narrow it down. And I said, all right, how many glasses per week? They'll say, oh, about five, six times a week. But that's not moderation. That is not moderation. Yeah, that is almost daily. That is yeah. almost daily if it's not daily. Yeah. So um, a lot of times I don't tell people moderate. I tell them, I want you to have this once a week or I want you to have it once a month. Exactly. And I actually give them numbers because I've learned just do it in moderation. Everybody's definition of moderation is different. But again, I think the point that we need to emphasize is something can be good and food particularly absolutely is a seasonal thing. Um, When you look at when sugar is, uh, we were talking about sugar cane, sugar cane harvest season is between August and September. And you, we used to as children, I used to uh, remember munch on the sugar cane because it makes you fat. When I say fat, accumulates fat um, under your, uh, in, in the subcutaneous tissue because it gives you the heat that you need for the oncoming um, winter season. And and in the winter, we don't have so many greens and vegetables. You're limited to little higher fat and grains. If you're vegetarian, more grains. And if you're a meat eater, you do a little more meat. But that's again, because through the winter season, you just want to survive for calories. And then again, as spring comes on, the harvest comes in, you go back to lots of activities, lots of lighter foods. And then you come to the more um, high fiber um, fruits and vegetables. Now, the oils are completely different. I may uh, vary. I'm not a big fan of ghee and butter, though Ayurveda, I know a huge part of uh, the medicinal part of it is also ghee and butter. I find when people use butter or ghee, if they are genetically wired to have atherosclerosis, I do see inflammation in their blood. So ghee actually is clarified, but a ghee actually is anti-inflammatory. I right. think it may be the quantity to what people Correct. are using it. I, I believe so. And that's the problem, right? When you say ghee, they're putting it on a steak, they're putting it on the vegetables. I remember when we use ghee, they'll finish cooking the whole thing and then the top they'll Put a teaspoon like a it. tiny bit because actually bit. can stimulate digestion mm-hmm. he actually has the shortest chain carbon chains so it doesn't stick to the cell wall so what happens is when you tell people to do ghee what they're doing is they're putting a tablespoon and they're cooking the whole thing and that's no. now not how it was ever done from the country that where ghee was actually where butter is clarified and used you put it as a little drop on top of your food because it just gives that flavoring and stimulates the digestion Absolutely. so yeah. um, i think at some point like we discussed we should have a culinary class so yes. we can teach people how to use these oils the fats the vegetables appropriately and when to buy them um though you have the michigan if you go to the michigan uh, seasonal fruits and vegetables you can get a of it, it's more in how you prepare them that's going to uh, promote health or promote disease. Exactly. There's so much to nutrition and food. And actually, if you guys are listening, I really encourage you to look into my book. It's called Healing Your Relationship. Oh, can we just the- show the book too? So yeah. they can take a look at that. So here's the book. It's Healing Your Relationship with Food. It's available on Amazon. It's a, quite a description there on Ayurveda, on Ayurveda's point of view on nutrition, the seasons, different body type, 
basic spices that are useful and balancing for any body type and how to um, how to, you know what how to stock your kitchen and how to be your own master chef with a handful of recipes that you can begin to use and really have you know aromatic and tasty food vegetarian food in your kitchen and in your meals so I really encourage you to take a look at that it's quite comprehensive there's the first section talks about you know the, the book is about healing your relationship because that's really where the root cause yes. of food you know when we are in food excessiveness and food abundance and not know what to do we're always looking for a diet uh, so their first five chapters they talk about you know guilt and shame emotional hunger and disconnection from food etc the middle section talks about the argue with this point of view it's written in layman's terms which means you don't have to know anything about Ayurveda this book would explain it in a way that you can understand it and then there is a whole section on how to stock your pantry and what spices are all about how to boost your digestion with the recipes so the book is meant for anybody you will definitely take a lot out of this book and you can begin to even without seeing an Ayurveda practitioner you can begin to use Ayurveda in your kitchen in your life today it's available on Amazon to take a look. Yeah. So I think one of the key things is understanding the science. There's a science to harvesting food, eat, preparing food, eating food. And once you understand the science, your food will actually feed your health. And yes, I think that's exactly. that's really what we're yeah, trying to get Yeah, there's at. a lot more to food than just filling a physical spot in the body. Food has, you know, psychological, mental, emotional satisfaction that is why when we are not satisfied because we're not paying attention to when we're eating we continue to eat in the hopes of getting that satisfaction it's a it's a high the drug high that yeah. we always try chase mm -hmm. after yeah so um if people want to find you do you have a website uh yes my mm -hmm. website is are you really healing center.com uh, one word and on the website you'll get information on Ayurveda uh, there's a lot of good information and I blog there there's different programs basically all the programs that have helped people achieve like better sleep you know conquering depression and anxiety and hypertension and whatnot uh, most of my practice you know tends to go towards a spiritual counseling and healing I also have a podcast it's called healed your life podcast and you'll find information on the website along with an upcoming meditation retreat in October oh my God. heal your life meditation retreat because I'm really combining the higher teachings with the meditation techniques for help people to go deeper and become conscious of what's in the subconscious so their life is run more and more consciously so i encourage you to take a look i also have a facebook page i've also started to do instagram so you can follow me and like me there that way you can i do one minute videos i try to do all that i can there's a lot of good information on these social medias that i post as well awesome well thank you so much and thank really you. appreciate your time thank you and i will uh, guys i will uh, uh somehow edit and try to get all the information in these videos and thank you for those of you who joined us i know a few of you join us but don't necessarily comment but uh please do um uh, you know continue to support the practice and make sure you uh, go on to itunes and download the podcast or go to our youtube channel and subscribe Thank you once again. I'm Dr. Chalam from Holistic and Integrative Center of Novi, where we help you find your best doctor, which is always you. Alrighty then. If you've listened to this podcast fully, I would like to hope you have gained some new knowledge, a different way of thinking, and have benefited from it. If so, would you please do me a favor and share this with your family and friends? I do, however, want to mention that nothing that is stated in this podcast or written in the show notes should be construed as medical advice. We would like you as an individual to seek your medical advice from your specific provider. Our goal has all along been to dig into some existing truths, try and make it simple, so we all have a better understanding of our options out there to live fulfilling lives. It may be also prudent for me to mention the obvious here that no doctor-patient relationship was ever formed. In closing, I am grateful that you joined us and please do not forget to leave a review or share this info. Signing off till next time, I'm your host, Dr. Nisha Chalam.